Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, good to see you, my friend. Mm, we've got flat Hass and slick Nick in the house. So, <laughs> yeah, I am, I'm a bit flat this morning. It's morning. I'm back in Thailand uh, for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it's yeah, just, just one of those mornings, you know. I can't I, – I did – I was up I was up a little bit late watching the British Open oh, last yeah. night. Um, oh, I was, yeah. It was one of those ones where, like, the time zone here isn't too bad. It starts at, like, you know, 12.30 in the afternoon – then, then it's it's a long broadcast, and it was well, getting because because the the Aussie players went out, and you're like, what's your? And then Rory comes out, and then Tiger comes out, and then Speed. So it just kept going, and I was like, I'll turn it off now. And then next on the tee, Tiger Woods. And you're like, fuck. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I was doing. I'm like, I'm I'm, de- <laughs> I'm definitely turning it off after Rory finishes his 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those mornings for you, just. Uh... Yeah, yeah normally normally I've been getting up and going to the gym early and all that. And this morning I just hit snooze on the alarm and have a have a you day. And a me day. Oh, I like yeah. the sound of that. And Nick, you've been on some travels. That's what I want to talk about today. You've been up to the the curry, the clon clon curry up the in curry where's that? Clon. The middle of bumfuck nowhere in Queensland, Australia. Yeah, it's the edge of the world. Um, all right. No fuel for two thousand kilometers past this point. Right. Um, no, it's not that bad. Um, it's uh, up near just an hour and a half from Mount Isa, so northwestish Queensland, in the central north. So for those you know, all of our overseas listeners, shout out to Finland. Mm. You know, we we got a bloody big country down here. We're about the size of the USA, um, but instead of having three hundred million people, we've got what, what's our population now? Twenty five, thirty. 23 mil, I think. 23, right? So there's a lot of empty space. Yeah. <laughs> and so we live we live pre- pre- predominantly around the coastline, around the edge of our country. And so there are some really remote areas and, and a lot of, you know, mining and things that go on there. And, um, and that's what you're up there for, right? Speaking to some miners about their mental health. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, it happened really organically. MindFit's got a bit of a getting a bit of a foothold, a, a bit of a foothold in uh, in Mount Isa. Um, and we first went up there, uh, so east, more to just near the Northern Territory border. There's a little town called Camelwheel. Uh, it's not even a town. I don't think it's just like a cattle station, um, which is the size of a small European country, and. Um, <laughs> And it's the size of Finland. Um, and so we went out there and anyway, uh, I started working with a bloke who turned up to listen to us chat out there and, and um, he's ended up in Bulia, which is the south of Mount Isa. Um, and then another guy uh, raised 100000 for for um, the Trademark Foundation. Um, and so the tra- Dan and Ed from Trademark um, put him through one of our programs here. So shout out to Tonka in Mount Isa, a legend. He just won um, the North Queensland Volunteer of the Year. There's a lot of work, a lot, a lot of charity work. A lot awesome, of, legend. So a beautiful man. Um, anyway, so he knew someone out at this mine in Cloncurry. Uh, so, yeah, we went out there and, and worked with 20 of the management team and um, all around psychological safety. So uh, we ran, Shano and I went up, um, Stayed at the, the, the village where the fly-in, fly-out crew stay. Um, it was just like going to an old army barracks for me, so it was pretty familiar. But Shano was a bit uh, eyed wide, and he's like, what's going on out here? He, <laughs> he didn't even know that road trains existed. Right, okay. So for, for once again, for those not familiar with Australia, there's, there's trucks or lorries, wherever you are. Um, and, yeah, they got like four four trailers on them carrying road trains. So, yeah. So, anyway, so we, we did a three-and-a-half-hour workshop with, with a group of 10. 
under the management and then uh, saw all them one-on-one and then another workshop with the the other 10 and then saw all them one-on-one. Um, and it was, it was awesome. A lot of engineers up there, so a lot of IQ. Um, and when there's... Uh, when there's a high IQ, there's a tendency for a low EQ, and that's not judgmental or dismissive. It's just they're more analytical. They're more they're more that that style of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we went up there and talked about psychological safety and and the what's that the, term? Uh, Can you unpack that term a little bit? Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna. So so we went up there. Uh, with the philosophy, we based it off the philosophy that fear will see a threat and anxiety will perceive a threat. So our, we have a physical being and a psychological being, a mind and a body, and, and the body will see a threat and, and will send messages and signals to, to – so if you see a snake, it will have an appropriate amount of fear. Well, actually – most people have an inappropriate or disproportionate amount of fear, uh, but we'll, we'll do enough to get out, out of the way and keep the physical being safe. But then the psychological being, um, the psychological safety is compromised when it imagines a threat. And what's imagined is that sense of safety or security, or most commonly it's the ego, not getting what it wants, not being perfect, not being loved and liked. Um, yeah, the imagination is like, oh, uh, I, I want to ask her out, but she's going to say no and thinking I'm an idiot. Like that's that's the imagination perceiving a threat. So then it, you know, my mind's prevented me from leaving my house. So uh, my psychological safety was compromised to such an extent that I couldn't open a door. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really interesting. So we went up there and, and worked with all these very analytical thinkers and um, just real. They were expecting a PowerPoint presentation and you know, uh, uh, right? Well, management should do this, this. And we came in and we went, all right, everyone, close your eyes. We're going to do a half hour meditation. <laughs> um, just- Where's the charts from the PowerPoint <laughs> and the, the data? And I want to take notes. Uh, 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 a lady actually said, uh, where's the data to, to, to where is the data? And, and I laughed and said, oh, you wonderful creature. We, we, we don't feel it instead of thinking it for a minute. Just sit there and feel it. There's the data right there. You've got all the data that you need. Um, yeah. And she's like, does not compute, does not compute. Yeah. <laughs> so it was wonderful. It was wonderful. To, and, and, and I had a moment. Um, and it was it was my first time really witnessing an awakening. Ooh, yeah, yes. okay, yeah. Um, obviously, had my experience and have helped people to various degrees. But in one of the workshops, um, I said I said this sentence, and, and so I did a one-on-one session with this the, this client, uh, one of the managers, the next day. And he walks in and sits down, and he's he's an older guy in his sixties, and he sits down. And I said, just gently, I just you know, when you do this work, you you pick up on on what they're putting down emotionally or the vibe. And I just gently said, "How are you?" And that was enough for him to start welling up. And I uh, said, um, I, "I've been an iceberg for sixty-one years." And yesterday you cracked me. He cracked me wide open. And I was like, oh. And then he started crying. And, and I said, just keep doing whatever you're doing. That's wonderful. Uh, and when you're ready, I'd love to hear more about it. But if you'd like to, to share what, what your experience was. And he said, you said one sentence that just, I don't know what it did. It just pierced me or it undid me or it just found a way in. And, he, and I said, what was it? And he said, being right isn't more important than how people feel. Mm. And I said, oh, I can't even remember why I said that. And Shane, actually, the next day, I brought him in. I said to this guy, can I, can I bring Shane in? Because this is, we don't see this very often to, to the degree that it's occurring. He said, yeah, no worries. So Shane came in. And Shane said, yeah, I heard you say that. And I can't even remember. I, I thought, why did Nick say that? I've heard you say it before, but never in a workshop. And I'm like, I don't know. It just came to me. It literally, 
So let's get a bit woo-woo. I reckon it came through just for him. For him, yeah. yeah. And because um, it wasn't really in context. I think it was said in a meditation, actually. Yep. So anyway, um, so he's been married for, for 10 years or so and he and he's said his wife keeps saying to him, yeah, you're always right. You don't care about how I feel. And he's like, well, I am right because the data says. And and, and so literally he has been correct, but it's come at a cost of him running over other people. He hasn't factored emotion of course. into the equation. Yeah. And he, he, you know, he said, you know, he's done, he's done these kind of workshops all over the world, you know, at all the mines that he's worked in, you know, in decades and decades of it. And he said he's, he's never sat there and been so engaged and actually written notes. He, he said, I expected to turn up, switch off for three and a half hours, switch back on and go home. And, uh, <laughs> and be said, right. Yeah. And he said, I was writing notes and I, I took my notes home and said to my wife, just read these. And she's like, stimulus based response. I don't know what that is. And the needs, tell what that is. And he goes, keep going, keep going. And then he'd written that sentence and she goes, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is that? This is him explaining it. And, yeah. and, and she's like, what is this? And he goes, I, I know. And, and I, I, it did something, and now I don't know who I am. Yeah, and and she's like, right, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, and he's never, he'd wow. never cried, never had emotions, never, never had access to that. Um, and he said, I, I in the session, he's like, I, I don't know what to do now, but I, I, I'd love to. I'm thinking I need to do a 12 month program, and, and I think I need to, obviously learn more about this and start evolving because he's got a, an eight-year-old daughter as well so mm-hmm. um and he's he's like i don't want to be dismissive i don't want to always be right anymore yeah so it's like how am i going to relate differently to the people around yeah. me and that's and that's a process that he's going to have to learn yeah that is that really is an awakening it's the falling away of a big part of our identity to say like well if that's not who i am who or what am i it's so beautiful it's like this I read it in a book a while ago, similar lines kind of thing. It's like at some point in our life, we have to give up being right to those that are trying to love us. And at that sentence, those that they're trying to love us and deep down, we're trying to love them back. But being right is more important for some reason. And wow, like the, the change that I think, I mean, obviously with him and his, his wife, that's fantastic. But having an eight-year-old daughter, um, man, that's so important now mm-hmm. to, to give up that whole being right thing because that's it. Kids just want to love their parents. They don't need to be, you know, told they're wrong all the time. And, and you know, that's, you know, you're doing this wrong. You should be doing it that way. Well, no, you're wrong when you say that and all that. And what you do, you kind of, you beat the fun out of the child and end up becoming who this guy becomes who has to have an awakening at whatever age he was at a, at a workshop that you ran. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's unbelievable. Um, and that could be scary for a lot of people, you know, people can get a little bit scared. Like, who am I? You know, what, if I'm not the behaviors that I've done before, if I'm not the ideas that I have about myself, if I'm not even so much what happened to me, then, then who or what am I? And then, and then that's a journey that someone has to go on, you know, and now people can get in trouble there. This is one thing that kind of we teach as well. It's like, that's when people can become vulnerable to like a religion or a dogma or, you know, this set of beliefs that says, Hey, we have the answer. It's like, no, no, let's help you work out what the answer is for you. Like, okay, now that you don't want to live this way, what values do you want to live by? What beliefs do you want to live by? How do you want to show up for your family and don't outsource that to somebody else or some dogma? Well, and that's going to link in beautifully to, to what else I wanted to chat about because they go searching and seeking for a path and, and you know, the, the cult leaders and all of that are, are unfortunately very good at um, alluring or luring in, in, in these very vulnerable people. So It's certainty that does it. It's, it's certainty. Yeah. Well, it's confidence and... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we had a funny moment. So then we spent a week driving home from from our, our property up north, um, and we stayed some really interesting Airbnbs along the way and little places and quirky little funny people everywhere. And um, and then we went into a pub in Malakuda and and just to check check the menu to decide if we we're going to go there for dinner. And I saw a seafood platter, and it's like fresh crayfish just off the beach, and oysters up the road, and everything. So I thought, you know, good, good, good place to have a, a seafood platter. Oh, yeah. And uh, I said to the bloke, how, how big's a seafood platter? And he goes, Oh, mate, it feeds three easy. Feeds feeds three. No worries at all. I'm like, because um, because the seafood platter's here, and you can add the crayfish for forty bucks. Add a whole crayfish. I'm wondering, will we need it? And then he's like, Oh, mate, it feeds feeds three. No worries. And then this head pops out of the kitchen door. This 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 lady, the chef, and she's like, "It feeds one." And ah, like, oh. and he goes, "Oh, I thought she goes, it feeds one." And he's like, "Ah, oh, all right, well, it feeds one." So he had no idea. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't want to say, "I don't know." This was his ego yeah, yeah, taking yeah. over. Uh, I want to be seemed to be perfect and already loved and liked. So he just made up some bullshit with confidence <laughs> and and just ran with it. And thankfully the chef stuck her head out and and actually gave us some correct information. <laughs> and we we're driving we we're driving somewhere after that and and M said something uh, very similar. She said it and I said you don't know the answer. You don't know what you're talking about, do you? And she, we both started pissing ourselves laughing. And she goes, confidence is key. And I was like, um, not re- sometimes, but not really. Not, 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 in, not, in, not in, not in instance with that uh, bartender earlier, because, um, you know, it would have put it. Oh, okay, Nick, you're right. And then it brought back, well, I don't want to be right, but I also, <laughs> you know, I don't want to dismiss your feelings, honey. I don't because I'm right, but yeah, it's just a a very funny, funny day with lots of interesting stimulus happening. Yeah, I think uh, we've we've all got that part. You know, it comes back to we've all got these traits. As I think we've all got a part of us that wants to be right. We've all got a part of us that wants to be certain. And it's like you know, uh, I I used to identify as someone who knew a lot about a lot. And so I might be that that bartender in that instance and mm. try and be confident. Now it's like I understand that I know a lot about a little and I don't know much about a lot. And it's like oh, it can and, and I love the term the the that white belt mentality. So it's like, you know, if people are talking about something that I'm not into, it happened the other day. We were um, I met a British fellow who's been living here for seven years and he he goes from two different bars and like gets them into a better like he, he takes them when they're going pretty shitty makes them so they're running well and so the owner can sell it and then he kind of goes to the next bar and he's got this cocktail bar at the minute and I went down there to watch the footy I don't know why because the kangaroos keep getting smashed every week so that's, I don't know why you get, um, get a new coach this week so you're right. <clears throat> yeah and um so he started putting on the 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 rugby union in Australia were playing England and because I told him I was into my sport but I'm not into union and you know and there's some other guys there mm. and and um I didn't I, I I just had that moment where I'm like back in the past I would have pretended like I knew what I was talking about here but I was like sitting there asking him questions every two seconds I'm like so what's going on here and so what's happened there and so why and so why they get the penalty and blah 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 and I think it's important to have that white belt mentality and realize when we we don't know you know certain areas you know you talk to us about mental health and on you know that kind of thing and we can be very very confident in what we're talking about but you know talk to me about video games and i'm going to be a a white belt i'm going to i'm going to be the one asking the questions not telling people the answers so in that you know we, we've got the three megos must get what i want must be perfect must be loved and liked the antithesis of those is that we are all ignorant we are all incompetent and we're all mediocre to some degree and and listening to a ram dust podcast this morning and and uh, it's funny. It's like he's it's like he's been to MindFit or something. You know, it's real weird. It's because um, he, he keeps talking about all the stuff we talk about here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was talking about the very thing. It's that I don't know, and and we encourage people. It's an act of bravery. It's an act of courage. It's an act of strength to say I don't know because you're surrendering the ego, um, and 
yeah, and, and you know, the mind fit motto is discomfort precedes success. It's uncomfortable to say, I don't know. It's uncomfortable for the ego to go, oh, oh, oh. I, if I say I don't know about this sport, that means I'm not a man or I'm not masculine enough or these blokes are going to laugh at me and just be drinking beer and, yeah, oh, that's a penalty. Yeah, I know it all. And it's really difficult to say, oh, why, why, why did that happen? I'm, I'm ignorant. What's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. But we need a- to. If we, if, we, if we fake it till we make it, if we bluff our way through, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't like that approach. No, but we don't really learn anything, do we? No, that's what I mean. That's why I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. So that you can just meditate on that. I don't know. You can do that with an emotion. Like sometimes I, you know, I'll inquire into, let's say, sadness. I'm like, okay, let's see if where this is coming from. And 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 if I don't get an answer, then it's like I'm just going to meditate on. I'm sad, and I don't know why. And like you said, that the ego, the ego starts screaming. There's no. There's got to be a source. There has to be a source, cause and effect. Who or what is it? And then you have to just keep coming back to, I don't know. But that's when people get, we call it getting stuck in the why. Why? Mm. Why did that happen? Why? And it's an insatiable, this part of the ego. It's just, I want to know why. And I say, you don't have to understand why. You can just understand that it happened. Huh? Say that again. You don't have to understand why it happened. You can just understand that it happened. Oh, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's available to you. That's that's. I'm going to give you permission to to, the, to to do that. It's the mind, the the mind's insatiable appetite to understand everything. It's like I need the more information that I know, then the more I'm able to survive. Whereas I think the heart, if you want to kind of separate two, the heart's not too fussed about the why. <laughs> it's like it's like you take one of those analytical people and you can put them in it, like do a session or take them through a meditation or whatever, and they'll have this like complete amazing experience, like an out-of-body thing they've never had. And then as soon as they come back, you can see the mind come back online and try and codify it and try and understand it. And, and so, so I think I released this particular neurotransmitter in the brain and then this came into my body. It's like, how about you just had the experience? It's like, oh, oh, yeah, that. Oh, I'm not just sure happened. I can do that. Yeah, but- <laughs> it's, um, it's um, funny when, when a client, you know, we ask a lot of questions in here because I don't just want to give away all the answers. I want to lead people into an understanding and guide them into it. And so I'm always looking for that point where they say, I don't know, because that's the gap in their knowledge. Mm. And at my feet, we're working at the intersection of freedom and knowledge, freedom, healing, knowledge. We use the, the Dharma or the Buddhist philosophy. Um, but when they say, I don't know, my response is always, what a wonderful answer. And, and their response to that is, oh, you know, because it's so different from when they said, I don't know in the past. Oh, geez, you're an idiot. Oh, God, you say, what do you mean you don't know? How dumb are you? What, what the fuck do you, you know, there was always met with an unhealthy degree of criticism mm. where now they're encountering, oh, what a wonderful answer. And oh, are you sure? And we, we did a, a, a really cool, um, uh, I didn't do it in the workshops, I did it in the one-on-one sessions and I kept saying to the, the, this exercise, like, where are we right now? And to all these analytical thinkers, well, we're, we're in a room. Okay, where's the room? Uh, Ernest Henry Mine. Where's Ernest Henry Mine? Uh, near Cloncurry. Where's Cloncurry? Uh, in North Queensland. Where's North Queensland? In Queensland. Where's Queensland? In Australia. Where's Australia? In the Southern Hemisphere. Or in Oceania. Where's Oceania? Southern Hemisphere. And so on and so on. And, and where's uh, where's Earth? Uh, in the galaxy. Where's the galaxy? In the solar system. Where's the solar system? In the universe. Where's the universe? Uh, uh, well, it's it's this thing where the thing goes and, the, and the, um, it's a bit of, and I'm like, you're allowed to say I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, and the more analytical is, the more answers there'll be. So I list them, and usually there's nine responses. Okay. Until someone says, uh, I don't know, but there's it's just a beautiful, such a simple little exercise to show how we must be right and how we must have all these, you know, where's the universe? No, no, I don't know. Brian Cox doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
And he'll tell yeah. you he doesn't know. And he's one of the yeah. smartest people on the planet. <laughs> yes. But he's smart enough to say, I don't know. He's smart enough to recognize this is where there's a combination. This is where IQ and EQ meet. Mm. And the EQ is, the, there's been a massive bent, a massive bias on IQ and, and the whole school system's been based around IQ and IQ and IQ. And now, thankfully, there's a shift in an understanding that without a, a healthy amount of EQ underpinning that IQ, that IQ falls down. So this is what we're finding up in the mind. So it's um, Brian Cox is a beautiful example of the IQ being underpinned by a wonderful EQ, and he and and the EQ comes from a surrounding of the ego. He's he's such a, a smart person and could sit there and I know this and I know that, but he's he's so affable in the way that he presents and he engages and he and he says I don't know all this, but let's go and grab a telescope and find out. Yeah, well, it's like I'm I'm experiencing that with Tommy at the minute, having a three-year-old, and like everything is why, Dad, why, why this, why does this happen, why does that happen? And I know I do my best. I'm like because I really want him to understand the world and how it works. But man, like many times a day, I'm like, well, I don't know why that happens. <laughs> we could try and find out, but um, you know, so it's really interesting. I heard let's this story. Sit and observe, let's sit and observe it for a while, Tommy, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll learn why it happens. I'm trying. I'm hoping it'll come back to me as we talk. But he had a, a fucking ripper for me yesterday. Like I hope it comes back to me. He had a ripper. Um, I heard this other story yesterday as well, though. Um, it's kind of this searching for certainty and knowing the truth. And it was actually our good friend Matthew McNutt, who's been on the show. Um, he was telling me, and he's saying that he went to a uh, Buddhist. Um, uh, monastery or whatever you would call it when he was like 18 young kid you know and he went with his brother and he heard this this monk speaking about you know buddhist principles and now matt had been brought up very christian ideals and everything and then they, they were able to ask questions to the monk and he's like well what what is truth like you know I've, is this these christian beliefs over here that i've been brought up on since i was born is that truth is what you're telling me here is that truth and the monk grabbed him and matt's brother who came with him and goes come with me and, and he brought him out into a hallway and there was kind of a canvas on the wall. And he said, maybe, you know, two metres by one metre, there's this big canvas and he brought a torch with him and he turned all the lights off. So it was black and he would flick the torch on and hold it really close. So it would only illuminate a tiny little corner of the canvas and goes, here's Buddhism. Then turn it off and he go, here's Christianity. And then turn it off and he go, here's science. And he turn it off and he goes, Here's psychology. Turn off. Here's Hinduism. And he'd go through all of these things. And he goes, all of these different beliefs and ideals, they're, they're, they'll find little pieces of truth, but inherently being a human being means we're never going to understand the whole truth of reality and the totality of it all. And I think that really, uh, it's such a beautiful teaching to me because it's like, hey, we're human. We're not going to know everything about why we're here, what we are. Um, one of the great quotes that I love is all religion exists because we don't know what we are. It's like we just, we're trying to find certainty. We're trying to know something that inherently we're not meant to know, I don't think. Client, clients come in here and, and that is a beautiful description and, and story and clients come in here and obviously you know i'm going to see a psychotherapist i'm going to get some counseling we need whatever and they come in and, and we we unpack some stuff and and then so what should i do and i'm like I, I think you should give up and they're like what do you mean i said just i'd, I'd just give up i'd, I'd, I'd give up uh, well, you can't say that you can't you're a you're a mental health professional we can't tell a person to give up that's that's terrible you know that's 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 terrible advice and i'm like only if you're going to interpret it as such uh how are you interpreting what i'm saying they're like just give up stop trying i'm like yeah well what are you going to stop trying and that's that's as far as they've gone mm -hmm. like really what are you going to stop trying I don't know. Well, what are you trying? I'm trying to make my kids do what I want. I'm trying to make my wife say certain things. I'm trying to make more money. I'm trying to make the world around me different to how it is. I'm trying. And how's that working for you? Well, I'm sitting in your office. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So wouldn't giving up 
be worth entertaining and exploring and ah yeah right give up your attachments give up your desires give up thinking you're right give it give it all up surrender and see and see what happens yeah but how (laughs) (laughs) all right well i've got some work to do yeah the big one that comes up with that with people i I do the same thing and it's like I, i love to say what about giving up worrying about what other people think of you Oh, that'd be great. Same thing though. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a process because it's like an, an identity has been formed that's, that really cares what other people think and those opinions matter. And, and, and more often than not, those opinions matter more than the person's opinion of themselves. And they're living in a state of fear, in a state of, of that fear of the psychological self. The psychological safety has been compromised. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Um, just because you spoke about Brady that. or what's that? Is it about a man named Brady? It's about a man named Ryan. Here's a lot of my story. stories are about myself, aren't they? Here's a story of a man named Brady. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go. Um, because you started off by talking about this, um, the, the actual fear response, you know, of the body in response to threat and then the psychological self creating perceived threat, right? Yeah. And, um, it's a, a topic I love talking about as well, but I had a really clear instance of it um, just before we came back to Thailand. And so me and Tommy would go on these bushwalks all the time, like multiple times a week, because he's obsessed with insects and bugs, um, all of that kind of thing at the minute. So we'd go, we'd find little spots near where we lived, any rocks or logs, we'd lift them up. Like, oh, look, there's, you know, Slaters or there's a millipede or every now and then we'd find like a little scorpion and that was really exciting. And so we were at one, and um, there was this big log and there was um, long grass and I sort of used my, my, my boot and I, I kicked it up and there was a snake underneath the, the log. It wasn't a big one. It was a relatively small snake. And then um, I had just a, a response in the moment to that, to that snake. And it actually, there wasn't really much fear present, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just sort of went, a okay. Shock. To- no, I, was, I saw it. I'm like, it was just my leg was there. It wasn't, it seemed threatening. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just made sure Tommy, Tommy, come here, mate. I'll pick him up. So mm-hmm. he's okay. I'm like, I put it back down. I'm like, you see, there's a snake there, mate. How cool is that? Blah, blah, blah. Then I put it back down. We walked away. There was no problem. There was very little amount of fear. Mm-hmm. Do you know what happened straight after that? I would, we were walking back to the car along the path and he's like, daddy, I want to look in here. And there was a part where there's long grass. And all of a sudden I'm like, no, we won't, don't, don't go in there, mate. There's long grass. There might be snakes. Right. Uh, so like, you know what I've done? My psychological self has, has ruined the rest of the walk basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's, it's now created more fear and more worry and more anxiety way more than when the actual threat happened. Well, your, no. your, your, your fear saw a threat, but then your anxiety imagined all these snakes. And so yeah. that was – and I, I had a, a beautiful example of that with a snake. Here's the snake as well. The, a client is a farmer in New South Wales, and it was a session on Monday, and it was a year to the day since he'd separated uh, from his ex-partner, and he's going to sign the divorce papers next week. So he's going to see her in person for the first time in a long time. I said, how, how are you feeling? He's like, yeah, pretty anxious. He started explaining why, and then I just sort of intervened, and I was like, how do you feel about snakes? And he's like, oh, um, uh, you know, yeah, good. Uh, if they're near the house, you know, I'll probably kill them uh, if, they're, if they're dangerous because of the dogs but if they're out in the paddock or whatever I'll, just, I'll, I'll actually get a bit curious and follow them around and just I like to watch them um, find it pretty interesting and I was like you're more of afraid of seeing your ex-wife in a future that doesn't exist yet than a creature that could kill you mm-hmm. and he just is like oh fuck <laughs> The power said, of the mind. I said it's power. hilarious. You, you say going to the distortions. He's going to the worst case scenario and blowing things out of proportion and everything. And, and that's where he's not taking care of his psychological safety of his psychological being. He's not jumping in the driver's seat and directing the narrative and keeping things in perspective and in proportion. So the the first. Um, element in my fit is that you are responsible for your happiness and health. So he's not being 
responsible for his happiness in that in that moment is he's given the key to his happiness to an imagined woman in an imagined time and in an imagined future it's 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 not here it's not and so when when clients start doing the work on that you know i've told a story about a one who went for a job interview and she felt all the old stuff and she said nothing in there is trying to kill me and I said, you, you, no, to this guy, you can't be harmed. This is where we need to be be brave, be courageous, go into there in our hearts instead of our egos and see the ex and go, hey, how are you? You know, And I hope you're doing well. Make it about her because as soon as the ego gets involved, sure as shit, you're going to make it about you and you're going to feel, you're going to imagine this threat and you're going to feel threatened and you're going to tighten up and contract. and then Defensive. And that's where anxiety creates a controlling nature. And you'll be like, oh, hi, hi, hi. And you'll put out this terrible vibe and you'll walk away going, oh, well, that was fucked. That was a horrible experience. And I'll be like, congratulations on, uh, on creating that for yourself. Yeah. So, <laughs> what a manifester. Yeah. So, so once again, it's, it's that just if, you, if you're listening – you know, people have what we're doing is teaching people to have an emotional response that's in proportion to what they're experiencing. So, the one with you and Tommy, it was an appropriate response for you to just be mindful of the danger, but then it was disproportionate when you were walking back. And, and that's, that's, that's our nature, that's our work to do on ourselves. Yeah. And we just, gotta, we watch it, you know, we watch it, then we can actually make some different choices. And either the because divorce comes great. Saying, you go. When you were saying before about the, you know, with the identity and who are we now, and it's, it's, it's even transcend that into what are we and remember that we're not our thoughts, we're not our feelings, we're just the awareness of everything that exists. So, so, so that watch it, just watch yourself, watch your nature, observe you are the biggest source of stimulus. So observe yourself and how you how you are reacting or responding. And then when you're reacting disproportionately, that's when you can intervene and take care of your business. Yeah, because there's like there's like willful thoughts and automatic thoughts. So it's because it's like I can right now, if you're listening to this and this is a um, another Michael Singer thing that he talks about. It's like, you know, in your head, just say hello and, and say it again. Say, say it five times in a row. And so you can do that. So that's like a willful thought. And then you've got automatic thoughts. And most thoughts are automatic, right? But if you, if you have a, a level of awareness and you're able to be that witness that you were talking about and watching it, you can see when automatic thoughts come in. You cannot judge them. Because when I saw Tommy go off into the long grass and that thought came up, I'm like, oh, Wow. That came up real fast. I'm about to ruin this walk with him, right? <laughs> and then it's a, we, we can then bring in the willful thoughts then. We have, we have choice in that moment to say, hey, no, no, that's just a, you've stored a little impression of what happened five minutes ago. Um, what's, what's the appropriate reaction to the level of threat that's happening right now? Because, you know, in, we'd had 50 bushwalks before that, never, ever seen a snake or anything like that that snake was small and probably wasn't even dangerous now all of a sudden the mind because it's based on uh survival those those older parts of the brain back here all of a sudden imagines there's snakes everywhere <laughs> they're, they're in, everywhere in around here yeah. danger yeah and not only that like the snake like when it sees a human it normally just slithers away now they're like want to attack us you know it's like <laughs> this is what the mind does and I love the divorce example as well because so many people, they, they get a physical divorce, but it's like you're not really divorced up here yeah, because it's yeah. like, oh, hey, thing I was having a party on Saturday night. Is Dave going to be there, my ex? Yeah. And, then, and it's like you're still ruining your life. It's not, that's not too harsh of a term, I don't think. Ruining your life based well, on these impressions. A life, a, a life lived in fear isn't a life well lived. So... Uh, most people are living their life. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the battle. Isn't that yeah. the main battle? Like, well, it's-, it's not a battle. It's the work to do. It's uh, instead of battling it and creating more conflict, we actually want to surrender to that nature and work with it instead of against it. And and we can only do that through deepening our understanding of ourselves and our nature and understanding is the cornerstone to love. So when we can love ourselves, we can take care of ourselves, we can treat ourselves a bit kinder, 
we can look after ourselves. We're in a position where we're okay. Then we can help those around us. We can walk each other home and we can go and sign the paperwork with compassion and empathy. And I really honestly wish you a wonderful, happy life because I'm okay. I, I have happiness within me so I can give that happiness away to you. But I can't yeah. do that if I'm not doing the work. And uh, what you said before about that emotional divorce was uh, M, M separated from her ex-husband years ago, but still hasn't gotten a divorce, just haven't gotten around to it. When I went through my divorce, I, I you know, got it, um, signed the paperwork and emotionally and physically divorced quite early because I, I was mindful of it. I knew that I wanted to move on energetically and everything. So it doesn't pop up in my mind on any level. Now, different circumstances because Em's got kids um, involved and whatever, but she was sharing this her story to someone and they said, because uh, of the, the mention of divorce popped up and I said, oh, you know, I'm not divorced, but we're separated. And this person said, in the eyes of the universe, you are still married because you've got still got that energy connection. You've still got that energetic connection. Mm -hmm. So, so you may not still be physically in the same space, but energetically, you 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 haven't unsigned that contract, that that commitment. And she's like, yeah, right, well. So it was, yeah. A, yeah, it was a well. That's interesting. Yeah, I never. I never held really any weight with like a marriage contract. So I had, I had that. I, um, after I stood up with my ex, we didn't get divorced for a couple of years. Um, until, until Mal, Melissa was like, are you going to divorce your ex or not? And then, <laughs> but, but like, it just, it kind of, for me, it, it didn't feel, and I think different people have different associations to these constructs, I suppose. <clears throat> but I didn't have that. They're like, oh, I'm, so I just sort of reached out and went, oh, hey, we haven't actually got divorced. Should we just just do that? Yep, no worries. Um, I'm very fortunate in that we there was no conflict or, you know, and there wasn't kids or anything like that. But if you go meta metaphysically, so emotionally and psychologically you didn't feel anything, but metaphysically go beyond that. There was still a binding there and, and there was still an agreement was made and that, that wasn't... Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I, but the, our our agreement, I I just don't tie to our marriage contract at all. It's mm. just a, a different way of, of 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 viewing it. I think I, I but I but I still feel energetically tied to my. I, I feel energetically tied to pretty much everyone I've come into contact with on this on this earth. You know, I've I told this story before on the podcast. I'm sure, but I, I'll, I'll tell it again. But here we go. Here we go, people. Let's strip yourself. No, no, no. It's just. I no, was no, a, no, no, it's good. I'm waiting. I'm just going to settle in. It just. I love it. It's. It's. <sighs> I was at a friend's house and he owned a farm um, out uh, Druin Way, and he was quite, you know, connected to the land, and he'd made a lot of friends with the Aboriginal community and the elders of that area. Um, yeah, because he wanted to look after the land and and, and honour the custodians of the land and everything. And um, I went round to his house one day. I, I can't remember what we were doing. And, um, but I was there for some sort of little ceremony we were doing. And this um, our Aboriginal elder was there and I was sitting next to him on the couch. And he just had this this energy, you know, this this like aura. And I'd first met him and I was just sort of looking at him and I was just sort of having a little chat. And he said, you know, brother, you know, we, we do our dot paintings in our culture and we, and we paint them, we do the little dots and they're, they're, they're beautiful. And he goes, but we're all creating a piece of art with our life. Our, our life is a dot painting. And every person that we meet and that we come in contact with in this life is a dot on our painting. And now I'm sitting with here with you, brother. You're a dot on my painting and I am on yours. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and so ever since then, that's kind of how I viewed it. You know, like so everyone he left he left an imprint on you and, and your snake story with Tommy before you did a great job of not leaving an imprint on Tommy that would have then created a phobia or a deep fear within him. So you're right, we are we are all coming into contact with each other. We do you know, hopefully you're in Thailand, hopefully you meet the bloke that walked up to me and said, Leave a mark, not a stain. Yeah. And then just randomly walked off. Remember, I was thinking I've spoken about him. Yeah. Um, and once again, great segue because such a good line. Sorry, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've told you the story. He was he he literally had to cross the road to come in front of me and stood before me and said, "Leave a mark, not a stain," and then kept walking. It's amazing. It's mind blowing, mind blowing. Um, before you were talking about Maddie McNutt's uh, experience with the torch and the, the the truth and everything, and we listened to this wonderful book on the way home um, on Audible called the the Dreaming Path. Yep, by Paul Callaghan, and uh, it's Indigenous thinking to change your life. Um, and what I really took out of it and what I've been chatting with clients about is Western culture. So, so I'll preface this by I had a client finish a 12-month program on Monday and he's going through a divorce and he got married five years ago and he said the most wonderful thing. He said, I started ticking all these boxes. I had the job and the, the wife and the house and the car and the, the you know, and the more boxes I ticked, the unhappier I got. And I was like, well, I guess now I'm unticking the boxes and I'm suddenly finding myself a bit freer, a bit lighter, a bit happier. I'm like, Because there was all this, uh, there was an immaturity and he's a, very much a people pleaser. So he's making decisions out of fear, ticking these boxes mm-hmm. out of fear. Um, and so we had this beautiful conversation about the Western society is about ticking those boxes and it's a quite a shallow surface level culture and it's about do more, be more, have more, get more, you know, it's just not enoughness culture. And you look at Eastern cultures and, um, you know, in, in Asia uh, especially and they're, they're much deeper culture and they have practices and, and, and daily practices and uh, a different way of living. Um, and what, what and listening to this book, The, the Dreaming Path, all of my clients, and I know it's a big statement, but I'm sticking with it, all of my clients are, don't have a path. They're all living aimlessly. Mm. And they're all heroes because they're all turning up every single day and they're all doing the very best they can with what they have, but they are lacking direction. They're lacking guidance. They're lacking uh, a path to follow. And and they'll try this or they'll try that and they'll stick this Band-Aid on or double it in that. And oh, I did a meditation and they, they try all, all these little things, but um, until they stick and commit to something, now, path could be martial arts. It's, it's a discipline. It could be religion, you know, Buddhism. It could be just just a, an Eastern culture, you know. But so there was a beautiful book. <laughs> we had Catherine Ingram came in into HQ. She's moved to Mornington now, mm-hmm. uh, and she's going to live in Mornington. She, she popped in for a cuppa, and I finally got to, to meet her in person and had a wonderful time and. And I was talking to her about the book and I said, um, it's funny, I, I heard I heard a lot of, and I, and I said, I want to call it Buddhism and Stoicism, but it's not. It's just wisdom. I just heard this ancient wisdom coming through because the Aboriginals are talking about it, the Buddhists are talking about it, the Stoics are talking about it, the Maoris, the, the, the Native Americans, the, they're all talking about this ancient wisdom. And that's the path that we can start to to really come in contact with. And you know when a person is in alignment, when a person is on a path, they are solid. They are they are in their skin. They are here and now. They are just unrattled. They are at ease. And I'm, I'm really going to shine more of a spotlight on you know, I consider myself to be a guide when someone says, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I don't know, I guide people, you know, and, and by that very nature, it suggests that MindFit is a pathway. So we're really trying to shine more of a light on on this pathway here. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. It was it's made me think when we were starting the center and we were kind of putting it out there like, hey, this is the new generation and the new new blah 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 and all this. And then I, I read a book on the a history of ab- <laughs> the ab- Aboriginal he- ab- Aboriginal healing from like yeah. thousands of years ago. I'm like, oh, <laughs> they were doing what we do. <laughs> and then different traditions the same. Uh, honey, right, call, the same. Call, call the sign writer. It's not new yeah. new generation. Yeah, no, it's, it's ancient. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I was listening to a guy recently and um, if we're thinking about this on a real collective level and you know, it ties into these you know, how, when someone's in alignment, they, they know who they are. They, they have a set of values. They're moving in a direction. You know, they're enjoying life along the way. And, you know, this, this guy was talking about, you know, back when Darwin found the theory of evolution, you know, and realized that, hey, guess what? This big man in the sky didn't make this 6,000 years ago. You know, this is, and then, and then Nietzsche famously said, God is dead. And his blood will be on his hands for centuries to come. Um, and it was very true um, when it came to that. So now it's like, you know, this theory of evolution showed that a lot of religion is just a set of beliefs that people lived by. And now we've been spending however many years trying to work out what set of beliefs we should live by now that we know that those ones aren't exactly correct. Even though there's some wonderful truths in everything, they're not correct. So it's all fallen apart. And so now our Western culture, exactly like you said with the box ticking, because I was the same. It's like, go get your education, play some sport, um, get, get, get a job, earn money, get married, get a house, have kids. And that's why I was ticking the boxes as well and going, I'm fucking this can't be it. Like, is this, I remember my dad said to me once, I'm like, I'm like, dad, why do we get, why do we get married? Like, is that, is that kind of weird? He goes, it's just what you do. And I'm like, and, and I go, okay. <laughs> and then looking back but, now, but, I'm Brian, like, what a, what a shit answer. <laughs> bro, bro, I'm glad you're not applying that approach with Tommy. Um, <laughs> I know Tommy's definitely not having that approach. Brian Cox had I listened to this story from him, uh, and and he because you you just said this can't be it, and he said he laughs when he hears people say, "Is this it? Is, is this is this all there is?" Because he's like, the universe is thirteen and a half billion years old. Planet Earth's about five billion years old, and then where you know have a million years old and and we're just made of stardust basically so we're, we're, we're these constructs uh, and one one day we won't exist you know in here but also as a species so in the grand scheme of things we're in this tiniest sliver of little windows where we in, in this construct get to feel and see and think and hear and, and experience all that is in existence well not all just a you know because we can only see so much in the frequencies that we have but we get to experience and see and feel things how the fuck is that not enough like yeah, yeah. How, <laughs> it's, it's it's a miracle that that the 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 ego and the label and identity of nick sutherland exists in this microcosm of time where I can stand on a planet and see another planet. Yeah. It's like compare it, compare it to being anywhere else in the universe and where there's just nothing. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even, or even like we're trying to, you know, we send rovers to Mars and try and go to Mars. It's just red dust. That's all it is. <laughs> it's just, there's nothing else there. There must be more. It's not enough. There enough. must be signs that at one point there may have been water here. It's like, well, we've got heaps of water. I've got a pool right here. I've got the ocean right there. Like, you know, I just, yeah, I could come back to the term. It's like, it's like, I like the term just this. Like, what is reality? It's just this. It's just, it's not, and I like the term just this because like, it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be peak moments or whatever it is. It's just whatever's right in front of us. And, it, and whatever's right in front of us was here way before us like you said and it's going to be here way after us but we get to look at it for a little bit so that's what i talk to clients about be, be here, here now. now so be it it just is do the work mind fit four commandments that's that's just that's as simple as i can this is that's that's as basic as i can reduce everything down to 
Just yeah. be here now. Oh, this happened. Well, so be it. Oh, what does that mean? It just is. And do the work. Yeah. That's the path. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for a path, just, just try and follow that one for a bit and see what happens. Beautiful. Beautiful, Nico. That was wonderful. You have anything else you want to share? Oh, I love you. Oh, God. I feel that. I'm receiving that fully. Good. And I and that's not I I love you. I am in a state of love and I am existing in that oh. state of love with you. Love is a verb. Mm-hmm. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of Pat Benatar, I think there. Yeah, well um well, yeah, we haven't we haven't done one for a while. We've had a bit of a break. You've been over there and doing your thing, and I've been off doing my thing. So it's wonderful. It feels wonderful to reconnect on a weekend where there's golf to be played and talked about. And absolutely, um, we'll be texting back and forward during the Open. Um, Rory started off well again. Who's well, winning? It's... Who's winning for you? Who, who's well, I'm obviously I, I want Cam Smith up there again, so I obviously yeah. want him to get the job done. I'd like Rory. Uh, who, who's going to win? I don't know. Let, let's talk about it after round two. I always need to make a decision after round two. Well, they, they, you already provided the correct answer. I don't know because yeah. we, we don't know. <laughs> so, well done. You're so yeah. clever. Is that is that an option if I go to sports bet to put a bet on the winner? Is I, that, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> what are the odds if I don't know? You get 0.00 odds on that. <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> I don't I know. Sur- I surrender. I surrender. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so, so, so some homework for, cl- for, for clients, for, for listeners out there, um, is to play around with surrendering. Play around with I don't know and, and sit in the uncomfortableness of it and, and stop trying. Stop trying. And it, it sounds foreign. It sounds... It's turning left instead of right. It's it sounds silly, but um, give it a crack and stop trying to forcing. So when we went to the mine, um, it was a beautiful week, and we appreciate it. And I said to them, "If this is all that comes of this, we're in, in gratitude. Thank you so much. There was so much potential that we could do up there, and um, and we haven't heard anything back. We we presented something to him. So this is this is what's available and nothing we haven't heard anything back at this point. It's only been a week and a bit. Um but even in that it's like uh, even if so I had some space from work and we talk about spaciousness and we go away by ourselves and whatever and it's so important and having that space away from work it really I'm really coming down to this even if the the mind comes back and says can you do all this stuff for us I'm I'm feeling I'm going to set a boundary and say no actually because in that spaciousness I got to identify that my path, my alignment, where I'm, I'm needed is here at HQ and, and building the community here and going internal in here instead of external out there. Um, so, yeah, it was a really interesting learning to come into that and, and you can't, can't come into those decisions, all those understandings, all those moments of clarity um, without that spaciousness. So um, I'm giving up my desires to go and do all the work out there and giving up thinking that I should go and do all that. And I'm just, I said to Shane, it's like, I'm just taking my hands off the wheel. I'm taking my hands off the wheel. And it feels, you know, it could feel terrifying to, to let go of the, trying to control it and steer it in a certain direction. But I know it's mind fit is its own entity. As soon as I get involved and start interfering, it, uh, it doesn't work. So I've got to keep coming back to the, I'm just a passenger in this. So. That's, that's the best metaphor. I love the hands off the wheel. And so that's like another bit of homework, uh, for, <laughs> homework for, our, for everyone in Finland. Here's your homework. It's like whatever your next thing is like your next interaction like you might be going to work or going to a cafe to catch up with a friend or you might have a little gathering on on friday night take your hands off the wheel because when you say give up and trying it's been drilled into us that you should never give up and you've always got to try what we're saying is stop trying and give up any expectation 
of how this thing's going to go because that's what we do. For it to, you desire for it to be a certain way or your agenda of what it should be. Exactly. It's, it's, I'm going to this thing and it has to go a certain way for me to be okay. What if, what if I was okay no matter how it went? That's, hand, so that's Dan, hands off the wheel. We've got Dan in here as a practitioner now and he's added a beautiful little tool to the, to the toolbox and he's got um, three types of business. you got yours, theirs, and the universe's business. And I've added to it and said, we've got to stop interfering in other people's business and interfering in the universe's business and being dissatisfied with everything out there and start intervening in our own business. So if you're going to catch up with someone or go on a party or got something on or you're going to a job interview, give up your attachments of what it should be. Stop trying to interfere with what's meant to be or, or other people's journeys or other people's paths and just you do you focus on on your business and take care of your business you do you mm. taking care of business you do you whilst being connected to everything so attached to nothing connected to everything you don't want to just you do you i'll do me and you do you that's that's separateness i'll take care of my business and i'll be there to support you and, and blah 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 so it's it's a yeah, it's, it's not as black and white as... No, it's like I'll be there to support you or I'll be there to set a boundary for you. It's, it's, it's all of that, you yeah. know? It's all of that. It's all of that. All right, Nico, lovely chatting to you as always. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.